the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity. This is going to be a good one. Please subscribe. We'd love to have you with us every single time we drop an episode. Uh, So just hit that subscribe button. You hear the name Trump. What do you think? You can fill in all the blanks. You don't need to say them out loud. You know what you think. But Laura Trump, who is the daughter-in-law of Donald Trump, married to Eric, his son, is a really interesting person. And I've gotten to know her a little bit. I've been on her podcast a couple of times. And in spite of the fact that I wrote an open letter to Donald Trump to please not run for president again, because I think there are some alternatives that that might not be as divisive or as disruptive, Donald Trump's running again. There's no way around it. And Laura Trump, his daughter-in-law, has become one of his best spokespeople. But what else do you know about her, really, besides the fact that she's married to Eric? What do you know about her? You're going to find out a lot because she's my guest next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity. With your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Laura, it's great to see you. I've had the pleasure of being on your podcast a couple times, and I'm grateful that you're returning the favor. How are you? Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you. I'm I'm great. And you are fantastic every time. Oh, it's, and we it's hope fun. to have you back many, many more. And I'm, I'm thrilled to return the favor. But it is my honor, truly. So thank Th- you. Thank you. You know, I one of the things in life that I've noticed as I've grown up is that people mm-hmm. assume, oh, here's this person, Michelle, who is a sideline reporter, and that's all they know. And so she's gotten there. She's achieved success. And now she thinks, you know, she's high on the horse, blah, blah, blah. They don't have any idea of all the layers of work that began really from the time I was a child to get to where I wanted to be. Yeah. And so I'm really curious about your background and things that people maybe don't know about Laura Trump. Oh, and it gosh. starts with, yeah, really. I think it's really good for people to understand that before... <laughs> Before the dog started barking. I love dogs. I should have brought mine. I have three. There's something about me. There you go. Three (laughs) dogs. Okay. What breed are your dogs? So I have a beagle. I have a a bigger hound mix. And uh, my mother-in-law's dog, which we inherited, who is a miniature Yorkie. So oh my we, gosh, we got the whole show at my house. You really do. Quite a time. Yeah, you really do. I mean, that's all. And it's <laughs> as you know, it's like it's like having toddlers around. So it's a lot yeah. of work, but but they don't talk back, which is good. Um, so you're born in North Carolina. What part? I was born in the southeastern part of North Carolina. Wilmington is sort of the bigger town there. Uh, but Wrightsville Beach is kind of a small little island connected 
to Wilmington. And that's where I was born and raised, came home to the same house uh, from the hospital that my parents still live in today. Uh-huh. And I honestly didn't know how truly blessed I was to have grown up there uh, until I left. And then you're like, wait a minute, not everyone grows up on a beach on an island yeah. with like all of it. It was amazing. Yeah. And I'm just so lucky. Yeah. You know, and, and I grew up in Manhattan Beach, Southern California. So all oh. the way across the country from you. Yeah. But I, I truly appreciated that beach as well, although we didn't have it right out of our door. And and people hear <laughs> that and they go, oh, you grew up on a beach. You must be spoiled, entitled little thing. Mm, and you're like, sure. well, actually, my dad was, a you know, an engineer. My mom was a school teacher. So what about what about that growing up? Siblings, parents, give, paint yeah. us a picture of the typical sort of day in the life of Lara as a kid. Well, it was Lara Unaska, um, which was always a, a tough one for people. And my first name always threw people off. L-A-R-A. Right. People still ask me, Michelle, they're like, so how do you say, is it Lara? Is it, it's Lara, but whatever. Lara. I've been called a lot worse. So I'll take any, <laughs> any iteration of it. Um, but my parent, my dad was, um, an engineer, by the way, by, by, uh, trade. And he started a car wash and had a boat building company in North Carolina. My mom was a nurse and, uh, we were, you know, a middle class family in North Carolina. I went to public school my entire life. Um, I actually, Michael Jordan and I went to the same high school. It right now has on the outside Laney High School, Michael J. Jordan Gymnasium. Michelle, I'm obviously just waiting for them to put <laughs> and Lara Trump Gymnasium. Yeah, I'm sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but I have one brother who's about two years younger than I am, and we were lucky to be close in age. We both played tons of sports, and we got to kind of do those together on the cross country and track team in high school. Um, and I really, I feel like I probably grew up like most Americans and um, obviously was fortunate that I had two loving parents and a, a great home. Um, but, you know, I certainly was not spoiled. I certainly never envisioned meeting someone with the last name Trump one day and, and becoming part of that family. So um, I feel just so lucky every day and blessed every day to continue this journey because it really feels like my life has been such a journey up to this point. And um, I, I would have never guessed that these sort of things would have happened for me one day. Well, so let's get into the love story of you and Eric. And how, <laughs> how did you meet? Oh, my gosh. Well, I moved to to New York. Um, I, I went to college. I went to North Carolina State and I graduated. And I felt like I had done everything the right way. Like I got good grades. I graduated with honors. I did all the things I was supposed to do. And then when I graduated in 2005, it was not a great time for the job market. And I had a really tough time figuring out what I was going to do. I worked lots of odd jobs. I was a waitress, a bartender, a personal trainer, all these different things. And one day I said, I've got to change something. And I really was into like baking. So I actually moved to New York to go to culinary school in 2007 um, and was planning to just be there for a year. Well, about six months after I moved to New York, I was out one night with a friend and I, I, the story that never works out was out one night and saw this guy who was taller than I was while I was wearing <laughs> heels and I'm a tall drink of water. I'm 5'11". And I said, oh, look at this guy. I mean, this could work out. Little did I know his name was Eric Trump. And I didn't even know that an Eric Trump existed. Don't tell my husband that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess the rest is history. We've been together for 15 years. We got married in 2014 
and just had a, a, a bit of time before total chaos ensued and my father-in-law decided to run for president. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you find out this is Eric Trump and what are you thinking at that point? Because I, I can remember <laughs> watching the apprentice and I can, all the things that you, I, I remember being at a, yeah. I think it was a jets game. I was covering, it might've been a giants game, but either way it was at that stadium in New York and in walks Donald Trump with his wife, Melania, who even a hundred yards away was radiant. I mean, it was kind of, of crazy, yeah. um, but it was the crowd went crazy <clears throat> for him. New Yorkers loved him. So you, when you find out he's Eric Trump, what, what do you think? What sort of, what is going through your mind at that point? Well, I mean, I think it's probably what everyone would assume. I'm like, well, is this guy, is he really nice? Is he like some spoiled rich kid? Would we even have anything in common? We only met out at night very briefly. And then sort of, I mean, this is way back in the day. I had a razor phone. So like texting was kind of hard. We yeah. found each other on Facebook and we were kind of messaging back and forth. Um, but I really had very low expectations, if I'm being totally honest, for the kind of, of human being that Eric Trump would be. And of course, by association anyone in his family and what i can tell you is when we went on our first date we sat for four hours and did not order any food and p.s having been a waitress for a long time i felt so bad for our waiter i was like i apologize <laughs> i know you're trying to like flip this table and make some money tonight but um but he was so down to earth and I was so shocked, honestly, by just his character and the type of person that I felt he was, even in, in only knowing him for a couple of hours. Um, and then that has obviously been reaffirmed for many years. And then meeting his family, um, that was probably one of the crazier moments because my husband, and of course, we were just dating at the time didn't warn me, Michelle, that I was meeting Donald Trump, his father, whenever I actually met him. Um, and, and honestly, I was, it was probably better in retrospect because I didn't have time to get nervous or get freaked out or anything. But then you're there and you're like, oh my God, this is Donald Trump. And All right, wait, so, stop. I got to stop you right so nice. there. Go I got to stop you right there. We're going to take a quick break. That's the perfect way to tease yeah. what happened next. <laughs> we'll hear all about Lara's first meeting with Donald Trump right after this. You know, I don't take compliments very well. I just never have, and I probably never will. But when people tell me I look younger than my age, that makes me happy. And so I like to share that I use Genucel. This is the skincare product line I use. And I'm going to spell it for you. G-E-N-U-C-E-L. Genucel. It's an amazing antioxidant-based skincare company manufactured right here in the USA. It's formulated by pharm a pharmacist with uh, really high quality ingredients. And so their products smooth out fine lines and wrinkles and prevent new ones from forming. My favorite right now is the Deep Firming Serum. Yes. First, I cleanse my skin with their Deep Sea Cleanser, which is soap-free and it feels so good and your skin feels so fresh after you clean with a soap-free cleanser. It's wonderful. And then the deep firming serum I put on top of that is a stem cell technology, and it just makes your skin feel plump and toned. So right now you can save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package just in time for the warm spring months. Featuring Genucel's Ultra Retinol that contains a powerful retinol alternative, safe on your skin in the summer sun, and Genucel's Dark Spot Corrector to reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots from those long summer days out 
outdoors that we love to enjoy, but we don't like the spots that come along with it. Plus, you'll still get Genucel's classic under-eye bags therapy for those annoying under-eye bags and puffiness that we all hate. And with its immediate effects, see results in as little as 12 hours or guaranteed to get your money back. Don't wait. Visit com slash Michelle to save over 70% off the most popular package. Plus, every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. That's two free gifts plus free concierge shipping for a limited time. Go to com slash Michelle, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle with one L. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right. So under what circumstances? So you didn't have time to prepare for this meeting with the future president of the United States. So how did it how did it all unfold? What happened? Well, we had gone to uh, the U.S. Open uh, out in Queens, you know, the tennis tournament, of course. And my first time going, of course, for me, just being sort of a normal person, I was like, oh, well, great. We'll be sitting in the stands. We'll get like some hot dogs and French fries or something to eat. No, we were actually headed to a box. Little did I know of, you know, this was my first hurrah. And we walk in and there's Donald Trump and there's Melania Trump. And I was like, oh, my God, I would have like worn better shoes. I was in sandals, (laughs) like the whole thing. And so sure enough, then Eric walks me over to introduce me to his father. And I almost didn't know what to say. So I probably kind of stared at him blindly and blankly. And he goes, you know what? I'm getting some ice cream. Would you like some ice cream? And I was like, oh, my God, ice cream. I could do this. This could happen. And that was that was our first meeting. After the ice cream, I was like, so this guy eats ice cream. Oh, which now we know, Michelle, of course, it's two scoops for Donald Trump. But at that moment, it was a very um, it, it was just kind of settled me down. And I felt like, oh, this could be a normal person. And, and I was pleasantly surprised. It is so interesting how his persona has evolved. And, you know, and you've been you've had a front row seat to all of it because you were there, as you said, before he decided to run for president. You find out your father in law is going to run for president of the United States. What's your initial reaction to that? What what kind of chances did you think he had? What what do you what's going through your mind? What are you and Eric talking about at that point? Well, I gosh, we were all so green. We were so naive. And I think that what I took away, we all had this big family dinner prior to my father-in-law officially announcing he was running for president. And at that dinner, he confirmed for all of us, look, this is something that I want to do, 
But I need to know how all of you guys feel about it because it's not just going to involve me. It will involve all of us. And I honestly, at that point, I was like, well, how how will it involve all of us? I really didn't get it. And I think I was very new to politics at that time. I think all of us really were. And so I was kind of like, well, what does he mean? What what is That's what Eric and I talked about. And chance wise, I mean, you know, having never been a politician, I was kind of like, well, I don't really know what he thinks about all these things. I don't know how the people will receive him. So I probably gave him, honestly, a 50-50 shot of, of even making it through the primaries, which I guess is pretty good because New York Times gave him like a 2% ch- yes. chance. Yeah. Um, but I think that that conversation we had, I would come back to time and time again. Every time something major would happen, and I'd say, oh, my gosh, he knew at that time that in order to – do the job that needed to be done and to be the president that that he needed to be for this country. He was going to take a lot of heat. We were going to find out who our true friends were. We would all be attacked in turn. And man, was he right. So I, I always hearken back to that that one dinner and that conversation and him telling us those things. He was so spot on with all of it. But of course, none of us really got it at that point. It would be down the line. So down the line, do you remember sort of the first time you felt like, oh, holy mackerel, this is painful. And I didn't know it would be like quite like this. And and maybe someone, a friend turned on you or something happened because and, and by the way, I think it happens to a lot of politicians. You're, you're not yeah. alone in this, but certainly your dad attracted a lot of negative attention from the press as you well I don't have to tell you that but for you personally was there ever a moment where you went oh make it stop well I mean I'm trying to recall maybe the first time but there were so many instances where um the the media would kind of grab a hold of something that he had said of course spin it around and then People who I had grown up with, who I'd gone to high school with, who knew my character, who knew who I was, would send me these awful messages on like Facebook or something and just uh, obliterate me and tell me what a horrible person I was and a racist and this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, like you guys have known me my whole life. How could you say these things about me? And of course, I wouldn't be supporting someone who I thought represented, you know, the the things that the media was trying to portray him as representing. Um, And so those instances were very hard for me because it's one thing to have a bunch of people who have never met you before, you know, the the Internet trolls, so to speak, saying all kinds of crazy things, which regardless, that's tough, too. You've got to develop a thick skin really quickly. Um, But it was when people who knew me would kind of come at me and I was like, this is very upsetting because they they know me better than that. And that certainly cut me pretty deep. So that guilt by association, you know, it's it's even happened to people. I, I remember kind of being a fan of Nikki Haley and someone who really, really, really disagrees with your father and really does not like your father said to me, how can you be a fan of Nikki Haley when she worked for Donald Trump? And it's sort of like, well, hold on a minute. Nikki Haley's her own person. And there was this sense that anyone who came within his orbit was somehow, um, you know, assigned any derogative, you know, any derogatory statement to that person. Like you, you were called a racist. These things, it, it, that seemed to me where the Trump derangement syndrome actually was real, 
when when yeah. when people were saying things that were really outlandish. Now they would counter to me, well, he's really outlandish and he's saying things and it's sort of like, okay, part of this, how much of this, Lara, is Donald Trump, um, the sort of the onstage character versus the guy that, that you've come to know over the time with you, with your husband? Well, obviously I think everybody um, represents himself slightly differently when they're in public, but yeah. the things that he would, would say to all of us and the, um, the things I think that were important to him were always represented on both sides. So behind the, the scenes and in front of people. And I think maybe that's what a lot of people found very charming in a way about Donald Trump is that you see politicians like Barack Obama, for example, who is one of the great speakers of our time. There is no doubt whether or not you believe his politics were the right way to go or not is beside the point. He, this guy can really get out there and speak. But then you you see a different version of him when he's not in front of people. And it's very different, apparently, according to people who know. Donald Trump was kind of the same guy on both sides of things. And I think that's maybe what people liked about him, but also what people hated about him. Because, you know, there was this idea that to be a president, to be a politician, you had to be a certain way in front of people, very polished and very thoughtful of everything you said. And Donald Trump was like, look, I'm just going to go out there and tell you what I think and tell you how it is. And a lot of people didn't like that about him. But those who liked it about him loved it about him. And I, I always have thought that that was some very unique characteristic he had that has allowed him to to be successful and attract the people to him that I think were unlikely to be attracted to a, a billionaire businessman from yeah. New York City. Yeah, I think that's uh, what, what confused a lot of people was here's this billionaire successful businessman uh, who attracted a ton of blue collar workers to his side. And I and I I said it even before he was elected, and I have said it since that I think one of the reasons for that was because he was just so transparent and honest, whether you liked it or not, you knew you were getting the unvarnished yeah. truth from the guy. But, but the, you know, certainly a lot of the things that he says are disruptive, and I, and I think there's a place for that. When, when So he's on with Hannity, he has a rally, there's talk about, you know, if I get it, if I get indicted, we got to raise hell, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. When do you think it is wise for him to pull back on that a little bit and 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 say, you know what, I'm not trying to rabble rouse here. I'm not trying to cause uh, any kind of violent eruption. You know, there is a fine line you got to walk, is there not? Well, I mean, look at January 6th. Look at the hysteria that has ensued from that. I mean, he said peacefully and patriotically, make your voices heard and make our voices heard. And yet, of course, there has been how much money and effort and energy put into trying to suggest that he was the root cause of everything that happened on that day. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think he especially has to be careful because they love to take anything he says, twist it around and make him the target of, of all of their attacks and the reason that bad things happen. Um, and I think it's probably very frustrating because you see a different, a completely different story on the other side where you had Kamala Harris, the current vice president of the United States during the summer of love riots, where yeah. people were literally burning down police precincts and federal buildings in this country. And yet nothing was done about it. Nothing happened to many 
any of those people. Where is uh, Kamala Harris in all of this? How come nobody said, well, you said that this would never stop. People are going to keep doing it. So, yes, he probably has to be more careful than the average politician, so to speak. Um, but look, I think he's very frustrated because Donald Trump has been the target of so many unwarranted, unjustified attacks. And this one of all of them with the district attorney's office in Manhattan is so outrageous. Everyone knows what he did was not illegal. And I think he's really frustrated because it's just more of the same. Yeah. And a lot of people look at this, Michelle, and they say, if this could happen to one of the most powerful men, arguably in the entire world, what about me? What could the government do to me if they disagree with the things that I'm saying or doing? Well, I think if, if, there's one thing to be gleaned from the last, well, since 2016, it is that there have been government agencies that have been weaponized. And I think Alan Bragg knows he maybe really stepped in it here because the, it, what, what did I say? I, Alvin, what did I say? Albert? Alvin Bragg. Yeah. Alvin Bragg. What did I say, John? John, my, I just got corrected. Oh, I said Alan. Alvin Bragg. Forgive me. So. <laughs> Bragg is is has really stepped in it here. I mean, there have been legal experts from both sides of the aisle saying this doesn't make sense. This doesn't carry weight. This is it's purely politics. And we know that um, the country, Laura, needs unifying so, so badly. And we're divided on so many things, whether it's, you know, you're either pro climate or anti climate movement. Uh, there's the race wars. There's now we've got gender stuff. It just seems to me, and, and I say wars and I don't mean that literally folks. I just mean there are just these deep, deep divisions over issues that some are over immutable characteristics of humans. And we see in recent polling that patriotism is plummeting. And it, it, it breaks my heart. I was raised to believe this was the greatest country on the planet. And I still believe that. I still believe our constitution is an unbelievable piece of work and that it's fair and right. How, how do you think he is best poised to unify if you think he is? I assume you do. Well, I think you have to look back to just before COVID and the job that he actually did while he was president. And I mean, the truth is, how do you have happiness in a country and peace and calm and people who really are contributing to society? It's when everybody is able to work, when the economy is better, when we are safe as a country. And so Donald Trump was able to deliver so many of those things for people really in a record amount of time. And you kind of think about, well, gosh, all that he was dealing with externally, all the incoming, all the nonsense, all the indictments and all that. And you say, wow, if people had actually said what he's doing is good for the country and gotten on board, how much more could have been accomplished? And so I think we're in such a dark place right now in America, whether we're talking about an economy that's not working for people, inflation, open borders. I mean, it feels like, honestly, we're on the verge of World War III. We've got China sending balloons across our country and testing us. Um, people, I think, want to know that they have security, that someone is there who's going to turn things back around and make life better for them. And then all of this other stuff, I think people stop focusing on. Maybe it's so hard to deal with day to day. That they're like, yeah, let's jump on this bandwagon and, and go down this path too. So I just think I, I look back to how things felt 
before the uh, before COVID took over in 2020. And really, America was on a great path. We had so many positive things going for us as a country. There were people who were working in record numbers and and being, you know, just generally life was better, I feel like. Um, and so for me, I think that that's the role of a president. You want to make life easier, not harder for your people. And that certainly happened in the first term under my father-in-law. And I certainly think we can get back there for a second term. How would you advise, you're a very good communicator, Laura, and he's lucky to have you on his side. How would you advise him to deal with, you know, it, it, it appears that his probably biggest competitor is Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who has done great things in Florida. And I, I just, you know, wonder what your thinking is about the the nicknaming and all of the things that your father-in-law likes to do that may, that could work against him and, you know, that could divide the Republican Party even further. Well, I mean, it's funny because I think back so many times to things that my father-in-law did in the past. And so many of us were like, are you sure that's the way you want to do it? And now in retrospect, I can clearly see that he had a plan, that the things that he wanted to do and the ways that he wanted to achieve those things, maybe we didn't all get at that time, but they they certainly were successful. Um, and I kind of feel like that about the Ron DeSantis stuff, to be honest. I get asked about it all the time. I yeah. live in Florida. And uh, I mean, to me, I, I don't think that there's any competition between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Was Ron DeSantis a great governor over the past several years in the state of Florida? No doubt. Is it very different to then become president of the United States? Absolutely. The thing that Donald Trump has that Ron DeSantis does not is, of course, experience. But Ron DeSantis needs sort of the establishment of the Republican Party to back him in order to be successful. Donald Trump does not need that. And I think for people who sit back and look at it, they realize that the swamp is real, that we have seen it rear its ugly head time and time again, especially when it comes to my father-in-law, but they're fighting him so hard and they want so badly for him never to become president again because he exposed all of them and they know if he's in there a second time, he will do it again and he'll do everything he can to fight solely for the American people. Um, and that is a big difference because as much as I think Ron DeSantis has done a great job as our governor, it is very different. When you get to DC, you learn who, who, who your friends are, who your foes are, and it is a lot to take on. Donald Trump has done it once, he will do it again. And I think it's very different to have someone who's fighting for the people versus needing the backing of the establishment. So I know a lot of journalism students and so-called, I'll say it, so-called journalists, because they're, you know, whereas Matt Taibbi and Michael <clears throat> Schellenberger are actually journalists, there are some journalists who are purely agenda-driven in their work. And they would press me to press you on every every phrase your father-in-law has ever uttered, every step <laughs> he's ever made, every moment in his history. But you're my guest today, not your father-in-law. And so I'm, I'm, and I'm deeply interested in what it must be like to be this, you know, amazing young woman, mother, dog owner, wife, and daughter-in-law of the former president of the United States who's running again to go through this meat grinder because it is a freaking meat grinder. I don't have to tell you that. And just, what your scar tissue is like, how different you are as a human being now 
versus the gal who was sitting at that dinner table with yeah. uh, Donald Trump, who said this is going to affect all of us. How different? What's it been like? How are you? What's oh. the skin? You know, how thick is your skin? I mean, it's it's pretty thick, Michelle. I'll be honest with you. Whenever you have photos uh, taken of you at seven months pregnant, bending over, picking up after your dogs in Central Park, and then those are published, you get pretty thick skin from those sort I of mean, experiences. What is not, the point? Oh, yeah. Not not my favorite, but that's a true story. Um, I, I think we've all learned a lot. And we I almost feel like at this point, having done it twice, um, we all know what to expect, but we also know how exhausting and draining it, it is to to go through an entire presidential campaign because, man, does it suck the life out of you. And look, when I did this the first time, I didn't have kids. Um, the second time, my kids were very young and they didn't really notice how much I was gone back and forth, all the traveling I was doing. Now, uh, my kids are three and five and about yeah. to turn four and six. It is a very different situation. Um, but Nothing is more important to me at this point than making sure the future of this country is headed on the right path. And it is for my kids. So everything I do every single day, just like I think a lot of parents out there, is for the future of, of my kids and making sure that this country is the great country that I got to grow up in, in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, um, it, for them one day and for their kids and future generations. So my drive is probably even um, more now than I think it was in 2016. And it probably is because of becoming a mom and knowing what kind of future I think I want to leave to my kids. That is certainly a feeling I can relate to. And I think anyone who has kids feels that way. And some people are afraid of the future that your father-in-law could bring. And some people think that Joe Biden provides the best. No, not, not that many people actually these days <laughs> think that Joe Biden can, I mean, even in his own party, he's losing a yeah. lot of support. But I think there is a lot of fatigue to go around and that people maybe want something new and different. And, you know, that, that's where maybe the appeal of a of a Nikki Haley or a or a Ron DeSantis might be. And to, to them, because clearly you're devoted, you're loyal and you you believe in what your father in law is going to do. So to people who have just an incredible, whether it's a fear, a derangement, whatever you want to call it about your father. There are a lot of them out there. There are a lot of them. But what would you say to assuage fears? If, if someone out there is genuinely, I realize some of it's a little far out there and, and, and to be, to be afraid. I'm not afraid. <laughs> all I want is unity and prosperity and safety in this country for my kids, your kids and our grandchildren. But for you to, to, and you are going to pitch for your father-in-law. And so in spite of all that he did, and he did a lot. And before, before COVID, it felt like life was pretty, pretty good in America. It was getting better, right? How would you tell people that his character is nothing to be afraid of? Well, it's interesting because it is all about his character and the arguments against Donald Trump aren't, you know, the things like, oh, well, he gave us this great economy, a booming stock market, job growth, manufacturing pouring back into America. We had trade deals, of course, with China under Donald Trump, peace deals signed in the Middle East, meetings with Kim Jong-un of North Korea to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula, incredible 
things were happening. They're not arguments against his policies. It is solely about his personality. And so I think whenever you you compare, especially someone like Joe Biden, who, let's be honest, was sold to Americans on his personality. This was going to be the great unifier. We should all want a good grandfatherly figure, old Uncle Joe, to come in and really soften things up in America and make us all feel comfortable with a puppy in the corner and the whole thing, right? And look where we are. Like, look what happened to the United States of America. Look how embarrassing it has been on the world stage, whether Afghanistan, whether the the situation between Ukraine and Russia that no doubt would not have happened had Donald Trump remained president. Look at where we are with China right now, with Iran, the embarrassments that have ensued solely for our country because of a bad leader. So I think the the ability for people to kind of take a step back and say, wait a minute, if I'm voting on personality, that probably has not been a successful path for the United States. You can see it now. You can see it in real time. And I, I just want people to remember, like you just said, think back to right before COVID and how things felt in America. Yes, Donald Trump is the person who the folks on the left love to hate. The media love him around because, man, do they get some ratings talking about Donald Trump, whether positive or negative. But the truth is, sometimes you need tough love. Sometimes the best teachers I had were the ones who, in the moment, I didn't like because they held me accountable. They told me the truth and and they made me do the work. And I think a little bit of that is what has gone on with my father-in-law. So you can't argue with the policies because they worked for this country. They kept this country safe and made us prosperous. And you can't say that having somebody who they present to you as the nice guy works because here we are. Well, and by the way, I would argue that he's not a nice guy um, that, that oh, well, was yeah, pu- of course. purely a purely a persona, a, a facade. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it hasn't come to pass. Laura, I'll say this. No matter how people feel about your father-in-law, I, he's really lucky to have you. He is. <laughs> you are a tremendous spokesperson for him. And I what I admire in you is I I, I can only imagine the grinder, as I described it, the meat grinder that you and your family, you and your husband have had to go through and potentially even your little children may, may feel at some point and that you are tough as nails through all of it and not kowtowing to anybody and not apologizing and not, you've just been really, really strong. And that's something that I admire a great deal. And we, we, you know what, frankly, um, I say this a lot. If people have their convictions, they need to be strong in them. They can't be apologizing to the people who would like to yell them down, shout them down, cancel them. And clearly you're not apologizing and you're not, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not, what is the word? I'm like, you're not just going into a corner when people call you names, even your best friends. Have you won any of them back? Have you won any of your high school friends back? I, you know what? It's funny because, uh, there are several of them who I, you know, played sports with. And to be honest with you, I've heard from some of those people who in the very beginning, you know, said all kinds of terrible things about me and, and never would, were going to vote for my father-in-law. And now honestly seeing what's happening with transgender, with men competing in women's sports, they're like, wait a minute. 
may, they have actively reached out to me to tell me that they find that to be problematic. And mm-hmm. I don't know where they stand politically. I don't know if they plan on voting for my father-in-law in the future. Um, but you know what? It, it actually kind of reaffirms that if you stick to what you believe and your truth and you know who you are and your values, the truth ultimately comes out. And, and no matter what people say about you in the moment, I think a lot of those people have probably changed their minds back. Well, you are tough as nails, and I admire that. And uh, like I Thank said, you. the That's campaign so nice. is no, it really is. They are lucky to have you. You are a tremendous spokesperson for them, no matter how people feel about your father in law. I mean, you you are a great representation. And I know it cannot, it cannot be easy. And there have <laughs> got to be some days where you you just want to go hug your kids and go, oh, let's just sit in a little hug for a while. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. let's just be quiet for a minute. Uh, so kudos to you for doing all that you do. And thank you so much for joining us. I learned a lot. I learned a lot oh. about your first date. Yeah. I learned a lot about a lot of things. And it's been really interesting and fun to know a little bit more about you. So thank you, Laura. Thank you very much. It was an honor. This has been Sideline Sanity. And you know what? I always tell people at the end, be brave and do good. Laura Trump is certainly brave. There is no doubt about that. We'll see you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.